Welcome to yet another Pro 16 Plus podcast. This time we're looking at the 16 to 19 revenue funding allocation statement for 2021. Uh, this is going to be a, a quick gallop through the actual PDF document that you get, uh, which tells you exactly how much funding you've got and in which areas you've got it for. Um, this document has to be downloaded from the document exchange within Secure Access and should really be looked at alongside two other documents. Uh, the first one being a general explanatory note which explains where all the information's come from, how it's put together uh, and how that works alongside the second document which is um, an Excel spreadsheet, the Allocation Calculation Toolkit. But effectively the first port of call is the allocation statement because that will tell you an awful lot about how much additional work you've got to do, what other things you've got to look at. If everything on your allocation statement is fine then you, you really don't need to bother too much about looking into your allocation toolkit. Uh, if problems are obvious in the statement, that's when you've really got to start delving into the toolkit, taking it apart uh, and looking for what the issues are which are causing you a problem. Um, the other thing that you need to be aware of is that allocation statements look a little bit different depending what sort of institution you are. If you're an academy, which is the one that I'm looking at at the moment, um, it is different to the statement for a maintained sixth form under local authority control and it is different to the allocation statement for um, a pure 16 to 19 institution. But but many of the, the tables that I'll refer to are exactly the same. Um, so basically I'll just run through it as if it was an academy's uh, statement and take a look at it from there. So this document is in, in a PDF format, it is in a, a landscape format rather than a portrait format and the first page just actually gives you the information of really useful thing like the name of your school and which local authority you're in, which is pretty much what you know. know. Um, also on the front page you then get a main summary of where your funding comes from, there's a programme funding in there which is how the factors are calculated and what that works out at and then we have all the adjustments below that um, which are condition of funding adjustment, formula protection funding, any money for high need students, student financial support which is the bursary fund, um, industry placement funding, advanced maths premium, high value course premium funding and then the total funding allocation. Useful on that there is a link to each one of the, the supporting tables where the information has come from which then allows you to go forward. At the bottom of the front page is also a summary of the programme funding formula and where each of the elements are, are recorded which is the amount of learners that you've got, the funding rates etc and that allows you to work your way through through that and, and this is basically where you can get a very 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 quick view of is everything okay. Um, the sort of things that we're looking at on that that main programme funding section there is are the learner numbers right, are that's what you, you expect them to be, um, you look at the retention factor, is that in the right sort of area, you're looking for that to probably be in excess of 0 0.95 uh, if you're vocational heavy, if you're an academic you're looking at probably about 0 0.975, 0 0.98 before you start uh, saying you've got a problem. If, you, if you're dropping below that then you've certainly got a, a serious problem. If it is 0.90 then it is, is an issue. 
the reason why we're talking that is that is the retention factor. If you have a retention factor of 0.95, your retention rate is actually 90%. So 10% of the learners that you've got have not been retained. And so the first sort of question you ask yourself is, how many learners does it mean within that retention factor that we have lost? And do I recall that number of learners not being retained? If you think there's something wrong there, then that's when you're going to start digging into retention data. We then look at the programme cost weighting, um, the level three programme maths and English, disadvantage funding, life programme funding, then at the end, an area cost allowance, and then that gives you the total amount of money that you have in the programme funding, which is effectively that first page. So when we move on to the second page of the allocation statement, we start going into a little bit more detail. Uh, table one, which covers the whole of the, the second page, is split into to three parts. Table 1A looks at the student numbers, and the first, the first line of that gives you the total number of students in the autumn census, and that would be the autumn census 2019. So you look at that number, is that what I was anticipating? Does that match what I think I had on roll at October 19? And if it's not, then you, you start to delve into one of the tabs in the allocation toolkit and work out the reasons that it is, is not there. Uh, you may find that you also have um, in the second line, which is uh, table 1.2a, exceptional variances to lag student numbers. So if for some reason ESFA have added some numbers to you, um, that will be shown there. The bottom shows where the methodology used to collect the data and invariably for academies, for six forms, for UTCs, for free schools, it will be autumn census. So that basically tells you where you are. The important thing there is the numbers. Is that the number you were expecting based on your October 19 census submission? The next table is along is table 1b which is a breakdown of funding by funding bands um, and this actually splits down the various funding bands the table also shows the amount of money that each funding band generates and then it actually splits the learners from 1819 into the various funding bands it gives the proportion of those learners in each funding band and then uses that proportion against the student numbers that you have in table 1a to give you your allocated numbers in 2021. So the one I'm looking at at the moment in front of me, the student numbers in 1819 were 367, um, of which 87.74% were in band 5, which in 1819 were 322 of 367. Their learner numbers for October 19, which we used for the 2021 allocation, were 346. And that actually means that there are 304 learners in that funding band because that is the, the adjusted figure. So that, that table 1B gives you how your national funding rate is calculated. The things that you need to be aware of there are the number of learners who may appear in funding band 4B, funding band 3, funding band 2 and funding band 1. Those learners are all sub-optimum funding. They're not getting the maximum amount of funding. 
you may have the odd one for specific reasons that does fall into those funding bands. But if you've got large numbers in there, then you've potentially got a problem. You need to go back to the allocation toolkit and carry out some investigations. So Table 1B is a, a very important document to, to look at and consider. And effectively on your, on your checklist, are you happy with that? Are the student numbers in the right sort of bands that you thought of? Because if you thought all your learners were optimum funding full-time learners and you suddenly got 30 or 40 learners that aren't that then obviously something's gone wrong you need to take a look at it work out what has gone wrong move down to the final table on that page which is table 1c which is condition of funding now this again goes back to the students in 1819 looks at them and says which ones of those didn't have weren't meeting the condition of funding requirements of either having a GCSE in Maths English at grades 4 to 9 or they were studying for the approved qualification. So we're learning that isn't meeting the condition of funding and through a series of calculations it works out what the total funding value was of the learners who were on roll, what the funding value of the learners who are not meeting condition of funding is it then calculates whether that is within 5% of the total funding value. So it, it will re identify there whether any money has been removed. So effectively, the bottom line of that table, which is 110C, final condition of funding adjustment at 50%, you need to look at that. If that is a sum of money, then you've had money taken off you for not meeting condition of funding. And something has gone wrong, probably in the way that you have calculated and entered the data um, in academic year 2018. Uh, and you probably need to go back to the allocation toolkit, work out what's happened uh, and make sure that that is not an issue that is recurring. If it is sufficiently large enough, then you're in a position to possibly submit a business case. We now move on to page three. And this is where table two is. And th this looks at all the disadvantaged funding. Um, table uh, section 2.1a gives the economic uh, deprivation funding which is calculated within the allocation toolkit it is a percentage uplift in terms of how disadvantaged the learners are if the learners are from the more disadvantaged super output areas then they receive an uplift you get an overall uplift in your calculation and uh, that 2.1a tells you the value of the economic deprivation what that is um, the school I'm looking at here has a 4.2 percent uh, economic disadvantage uplift so they're from a drawing their pupils from a very very deprived background you, you may you would expect to find that much lower in most schools um, that's that's one of the, the things to, to look at there when we move on to the next block, disadvantage block two, that looks at the learners who at the end of key stage four didn't have a GCSE in maths and English. It puts those learners into um, a number of instances that you have which are used for calculation and generates a, a, a sum of money for that. And that gives you an, advan an idea of how disadvantaged your learners are in terms of prior attainment. Uh, and that sum of money comes there. You then get... Uh, in 212A, a total disadvantage funding, um, and that tells you how much money you have for the disadvantage that your learners are suffering. Effectively, this is a, a function of the number of learners that you have on board and 
the actual amount of funding that is generated from the number of learners, the funding bands they sit in, in terms of the economic deprivation. Table 2B gives a large programme uplift. Um, and this, when we're looking at academic year 2021, we actually go back to the students in 1718. So these are learners that sat exams in summer 18. And if they were an academic learner and they got five A-levels at grade B or better, then the instances of that are added in and you get £838 per instance. If they did four A-levels and got B or better in all of them, then you get £419 per instance. And that gives you that total amount of money for a large programme funding. So this is something which academically good learners who were considering going to Red Bricks or Oxbridge, those are the sort of learners that should be generating those sort of uplifts for you so that's not really something that you can you can do an awful lot about um the only thing that may you may worry about is have you got the right data set against them for their prior attainment at the end of key stage four and again i repeat block two disadvantage is gcse attainment at the end of key stage four not at this moment in time not at the time when they be began that academic year it is at the end of key stage four we then move on to table three, which deals with form of protection funding. Majority of people will have nothing against that. Um, this is where we then start to, to get a, a little bit of difference in between the tables, um, between free schools, between 16 to 19 only institutions, UTCs and um, maintained schools. Table four, which is a, a different table for the, for the others, gives you the high needs funding that identifies the number of learners that you have who are 16 to 19 and 19 to 24 that are deemed to be high needs. These are the EHCP learners who are also identified as having high needs um, and each one of those attracts a £6,000 premium. If you are not happy with that, that is something you need to be discussing with your local authority because they're the people who do the apportioning. So that, that table is one that you need to be looking at in terms of what you think within your sixth form, what your SINCO knows, and what is happening within your local authority around that. We then move on to Table 5, which is about student financial support funding, which is commonly known as the bursary. And this is the one that's undergone quite a few changes, um, and the new elements are there and how it is calculated. It will also show the amount of money that the new that the new methodology generates the amount of money uh, for the transition baseline what the upper limit is what the lower limit is any exceptional adjustments and then the amount of uh, financial support available so it could be that you're in a, in a situation where it's broadly similar and the amount of money that you are awarded is very similar to the actual discretionary bursary fund that the that is calculated it could be that you are wildly adrift um, and that you're going through a stage where it's going to take three four years to get to the actual new calculated figure but that is, whether that is up or down so that is an area that certainly as a, a business manager and head of six form you need to be aware of you need to take a look at and think do i need to revise my post 16 bursary policy because of the changed amount of money that i'm going to get so that's what one that 
there's not a lot you can do about it in terms of the funding, but it's something that you need to think about the processes that you're going to uh, carry out within your school to ensure that the bursary has been effectively spent, the right people are getting it, you're not going to run out or you're not going to be left with a massive uh, amount of money left in reserve at the end of the year, which is which is unspent. The next thing that's down is a table which shows industrial placement funding. Uh, this is in the main around T levels, so it is unlikely that you will have an awful lot there. The next table is the advanced maths premium. Uh, this was a premium introduced uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, effectively, what happened was when A-levels were decoupled, uh, the AS maths was one of the most popular A-levels around, and the number of people undertaking study in level 3 maths was very, very high. When we moved to linear A-levels, and many schools moved to a, a linear 3, so it was essentially the three A-levels you're going to take all the way through. The amount of learners that were undertaking level three math study dropped dramatically. The CBI, the Chambers of Commerce, became very, very concerned about this. Uh, so ESFA, via the government, introduced uh, the advanced maths premium and effectively gave you a little bit of extra money if you went above your baseline. So it's £600 per, per eligible student above your baseline. Baseline was constructed on historical data. So one of the things to look at there is the number of students you've got in your baseline, how close your eligible students are, um, and that tells you whether you've got any premium or whether you've got no premium. You, you don't get a negative premium. You either get nothing or you get something. Uh, makes life very, very difficult if, from the when the baseline was constructed, your student numbers have dropped, that it is really difficult to get above the baseline and generate any premium from that. We are uncertain as to how long the advanced maths premium will remain. Uh, we believe it will be reviewed in the next spending round. So there could only be one more round of that to come in place. But um, possibly something worth thinking about in terms of core maths. I, I don't know. It's it's something that you, you possibly need to, to review. We then come on to two of the new premiums which were announced in November. The Level 3 Programme Maths and English Payment. Um, this is for learners who didn't have a four to nine pass in GCSE maths and or English. And each one of those is a, a, an instance. And if you actually put the learner onto a level three program, so effectively that's a 2A level or 360 guided learning hour vocational program, then because the learner is harder to teach, you're going to get a premium to assist you. Uh, what you, we find here is it works at an instances per student and then it calculates the total number of instances that are allocated this particular year. If your learners have been on one-year programmes, you get £375 at the start of their programme per instance. If they are on a two-year programme, they get £750 per instance. So if you had a learner starting a two-year A-level programme who didn't have GCSE maths and didn't have GCSE English, they would actually be worth £1,500 of additional funding. So it's one of the things to, to look at, at the, the overall proportion of your learners that were on Level 3 programmes that didn't have GCSE maths and English. It, it's a, it is a, a proxy for how inclusive you are at including weaker learners within your sixth form. If you're the sort of sixth form that is very much performance-driven, everybody has to have 
a four to nine pass before they're even allowed through the door, then that is going to be zero. If you're inclusive, if you're delivering vocational programmes where a learner may be on a, an engineering type pathway, so they don't have an English in GCSE, then you're likely to attract a, a fair amount of that. Uh, and it's just something to, to bear in mind going forward wh where you are and what sort of learners you are offering to. Uh, the other thing to to look at is the final table, which is the high value course premium. And that gives you the number of qualifying students, the rate and the amount of money that, that generates. Um, for each qualifying student, you get £400 per year. Uh, the thing to look at there is the number of qualifying students that you have. Look back at the learners that were on roll in 18-19 and work that out as a percentage. It's quite quite awkward because this is the first time it's been in place. So the figure that I'm looking at as the, the percentage, which is the norm, is something that is developing all the time. Um, I'm thinking that mainly for traditional six forms, you are looking at somewhere between about 30 and 35% being the norm. 30 to 35 percent of the norm, norm learners should be generating high value course premiums. If you're STEM heavy, it's probably going up towards 50 or 60 percent. If you're a UTC, it's probably somewhere between 80 and 95 percent. So that is your allocation statement. It should take you about 10 minutes to to take a, a look through it, make a few notes on, on it and identify areas of concern. If you have areas of concern, that's when you go into the allocation toolkit and explore and dig a little bit deeper. If that is going to be a, a business case, it's going to have a 5% impact on funding, then you're going to have to look at the allocation toolkit, the, the learners that are causing issues there, look back to your own MI system, identify what is what is in uh, the allocation toolkit reflects what your MI is saying, and if it isn't, that's when you start delving in and working through a, a business case. So that's a, a really, really rapid ride through the uh, funding allocation statement. Because we see so many of the allocation statements, it normally takes us about two minutes to identify, yes, you've got a problem. Um, it takes about 10, 15 minutes to write up that you've got a problem and where your problem areas are. And then for clients, we then carry out a, a full report of the allocation toolkit, identify the areas and we start investigating their MI system and, and putting together a, a report to identify if we do need to have a business case and whether we've got a viable business case. So that's where you are. The allocation statement, it's a very important document. Um, please, please take some time to, to read it, take some time to go through it, have a good think about it. it it's one of these things that you really do need to spend some time thinking about, looking at, probably on a a quietish afternoon where you can sit down with a cup of tea and a, a little notebook and make a few notes. That's the end of this one. Uh, the next one we'll start looking at some of the details of the funding formula and some of the approaches that we can take there. Hope you've had fun. Talk to you later.